experience. Welcome to the Experience Podcast. We're really excited today. We have Mr. Robert Brewster, Mr. Trent Baugh with the Alaska Clubs. Um, and guess what? They're from, their clubs are in Alaska. Who knew? Uh, but we're really excited about having them. Nick uh, Thornton is, as always, joining me here, Darren Allen, on our podcast. And uh, uh, last podcast, we talked quite a bit about some systems that are needed uh, to be in place to really know whether your club is winning or losing. How do you keep your team motivated, producing at a high level? And we thought, you know what, what better way to dive in a little bit deeper on that than to actually get some pros, some actual operators who are in the mix every day. And so excited to have you guys on talk a little bit about this today. So welcome. Hey, Darren, thanks a lot for having us on. We, um, you know, er every time I, I talk with you and you're you so kind to, to say wonderful things about us, it reminds me of my, my dad used to say, he goes, always associate with people with low standards and you'll always be successful. And um, so thanks for making me successful. <laughs> I, I just I knew that that was coming. I just I knew it had to be coming, but uh, excited to be here and glad to elevate your game. <laughs> well, our company attorney says I'm not supposed to tell people I love them anymore, but I do love you. <laughs> I love you, too, man. It's so fun. So good. Nick, excited to have these guys on with us today, right? I am. I, I guess to, to kind of break break this a little bit. Darren and I were debating something before you guys jumped on, and we need to settle a, a quick debate before we move into talking about clubs. So the bottom line is this. If you're in Alaska, are you still considered the Pacific Northwest? Well, we don't think there is another Pacific Northwest other than us. The other you, guys are kind you, of faking You claim it. it fully. Those others are fakers. Is that what you're trying to say? Well, they're a little confused. <laughs> it, it, it's a, you know, it's a lot like, you know, in Alaska, one of the negative things about living in Alaska is that when you go to buy something you, you, in, and it says free shipping within the continental U.S. and you get charged, you're like, we, we are attached to the continent. I mean, it's just a, it's a little confusing, to, but uh, they, they've gotten smarter. Now they're going with a contiguous 48. Yeah, the continuous 48, well, yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough on that front. But just to kick us off uh, for Trent and you and Robert, you know, what, what are the things that you guys, you know, looking at the pandemic, coming out of the pandemic, that you implemented to, to really try to grow to where you're at today and, and, and get your clubs thriving again? Well, I think, you know, the primary thing we understood uh, in the throes of the pandemic was that a lot of people had left. And I think, you know, the effects of the pandemic on the athletic club industry were different, obviously, depending on where you were regionally, and in some cases, even city by city. Um, and we didn't know exactly where we were going to end up in that spectrum, but we knew one thing for sure, we were going to need more value to bring people back. 
there were there was going to have to be a, a value proposition that uh, trumped whatever it is that they ended up doing after they left us. And so we were looking at uh, our business and segmenting the club. I mean, we're in the multi-purpose space generally. And so there are a lot of different constituencies. I mean, what happened with our tennis members was completely different than what happened with our fitness members. And even within fitness, you know, what happened with cardio users and strength users um, was significantly different. And I guess one, one takeaway that I came away from the pandemic was that regardless of what kind of club you're in, strength training is the foundation of your business. Uh, if you're in the, uh, you know, maybe other than in the studio business, but even, you know, that was very difficult to replicate. And so we decided we were going to add more value. Like we went, uh, we've gone 24 hours at all of our facilities uh, okay. during the pandemic. So we wanted to spread people out, but we also discovered it was a very efficient way for us to operate. I mean, even our larger, uh, we have clubs over 100,000 square feet that are open 24 hours a day, uh, unstaffed in many cases. And uh, we put the technology and uh, resources in place where we could operate those um, less expensively, and I know that's probably not even a word, uh, than uh, what we were doing before. And so value came in the form of uh, not only providing more uh, features for them to participate in, but in, in a lot of cases actually resulted in lower operating costs for us. But to, um, get back to your, your original question, every constituency was different and how we were going to address the substitutes that people had put in place, whether it be home fitness equipment or running around on the local trails or whatever uh, methodology, which unfortunately I think generally uh, revolved around the couch for most people. Um, we, we, we put in different uh, marketing tactics and value propositions for each one of those. That's amazing. I, I love to hear that because, you know, one of the questions was, hey, is there something that, that you guys really implemented that, you know, you, you obviously stuck with going forward? Obviously, 24 hours, that's a very significant move for, like you said, you know, big multi-purpose. Um, Trent, in terms of, you know, how you were having to deal with this in terms of your, your staffing, your sales, marketing, um, was there anything that really stood out to you that has helped make the difference in delivering that message of added value that Robert's talking about? Yeah, um, I, I think to, to start with Robert's sentiment of leaning in versus pulling back during the pandemic, uh, of course, we, we during shutdowns, we uh, pulled back on virtually everything we could, but the moment we opened, uh, I think it was the determination that we were gonna be efficient in spending, but we were gonna lean in. And I think the first place that we did it was the management, um, ensuring that we had the right managers uh, from regional director uh, down uh, through general management, our sales management. So I think leaning into the foundation of employing managers that are fully capable, uh, because to be honest, they're doing a little bit more themselves these days. Uh, number two, I think knowing that we had to get out there digitally, uh, I think just like everyone, we pivoted 
and uh, went to a digital uh, digital fitness platform uh, that allowed us to deliver content from you know wherever you're at in the world to uh, you know to the Alaska Club and uh, and vice versa, and we also in in some ways uh, opened up our transparency model on our pricing a little bit, and uh, VFP was a big piece of that because uh, when when we talk about registering for our clubs, it's so imperative that we know every name, uh, every number, and every email that walked in our clubs. And I think very similar to uh, most people in the industry, if you don't start there and you don't have that, what are you going to do to be able to convert? And so uh, we, we were able to uh, confirm virtually every person that walks in our club uh, that starts, you know, that starts the whole process. Uh, in addition to that, we, we implemented the, the transparency back to that, the, the transparency and pricing. We, we really started to deliver on our online sales model. And this is, uh, I think been very key for us, uh, not only getting our members from previous, our past members to, to re-enroll, uh, but now it's serving as a huge tool for us in our new member acquisition. Uh, when we started, you know, new members enrolling at, you know, at our online uh, enrollment site was anywhere from three to five percent. Some of our clubs are hitting 25 to 30 percent a month now uh, through our online enrollment link. And so I think those those kind of combined added, but always starting leaning in with the management. And I think Robert's done a, a great job. We we've engaged the management in a way that I think makes us a little bit closer. When you go through that, that chaotic moment, I think you, you understand how, how important it is to have a good foundation in a team. I think one thing about the pandemic that was, um, well, it was obviously an unprecedented event and there were very few people who had a good idea of what was going to transpire and how they were going to address the challenges associated with everything that was going on. And one of the things that is, uh, I think it was really helpful, uh, was to be able to reach out and talk to club owners from around the country and compare experiences and understand what was happening because there's a different reaction if what's going on is just happening to you as opposed to if it's happening to everybody else you can you know if it's happening just to you maybe you're doing something wrong or uh you you, you there's something you need to do very specifically to address that as opposed to something that's happening uh universally or, or across the country and that may be more difficult to address or maybe other people have found solutions for that so i think whenever you have a crisis like this the, the relationships you put in place and the amount of effort you put into the industry uh, to network is really going to pay off. And we were really fortunate to have a lot of those resources uh, <coughs> that we could use uh, to lean on other people to, to help us. And, and to Trent's point, you know, there was a, there were phases. You, you, you had this crisis phase that was, you know, the, the number of people pouring out of the clubs was 
was unprecedented. One of the most difficult challenges we had, you know, a lot of people don't like to admit that they lost a lot of members or that, that people left, but I think it's, it's almost uh, ubiquitous that it happened everywhere. Um, so I, I'm not afraid to admit it. Our, one of our biggest challenges was how to address all the people that were trying to cancel in a way that was going to leave them comfortable coming back. Because, you know, they had this experience on the way out um, and, you know, how's that going to affect their, their willingness to rejoin when the time comes? And so we, um, we, we really focused on that during the pandemic. There wasn't a lot of sales to be made in the early stages of the pandemic. But then I think the next phase was critical where we weren't really able to make quite as many sales as we were making before. And we had a lot of ground to make up. And I think it would have been very easy to kind of just write that off to some extent and not really push through. But we kept our sales goals high and our expectation very, very high. And we were employing the same uh, kind of ground tactics that we used prior to the pandemic. Um, and they weren't really as successful as they were prior to the pandemic. But I think the the fact that we didn't lower our standards or our expectations uh, set us up for the time frame where people started to become more open to rejoining. And that for that reason, we were able to hit the ground running. I really have to praise Trent uh, and his team for this. I mean, they were they, they pushed through the pandemic where I think it would have been pretty easy for people to say, well, there's not a lot of fertile ground here. We're, we're not going to uh, be successful. Uh, so let's not put the money into marketing. We, we did cut our marketing back a little bit because it, it didn't make quite as much sense to spend that. We were obviously being very cost conscious, uh, but we were still pounding the phones. We were still trying to get people back like nothing had happened. And um, I, I think, it, you know, salespeople are like athletes. If you don't train them, they're going to get out of shape. So I think the... You know, I think sales departments need to think in the in the context of performance and apply a lot of the same principles that we put into athletic development. Make sure you subscribe so you stay up to date with the latest.